Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, Thank you so much for gathering with us today uh, to worship the Lord. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us before we dive in. And if you could, would you please uh, pray for me, that the Lord would speak through me, and that um, we would be changed today, that we wouldn't just meet um, and and speak about God's Word, but that we would be changed by it and and be changed by Him. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for each and every person um, that's in here, Lord. And I just pray that you would meet with us today, the Spirit, that you would fill this room, that you would speak in and through me. And God, that we would just grasp the truth um, that we need, we need your word. Um, we need your word to follow you, Lord. We need your word to be healthy. And uh, today, Lord, my prayer is that, um, again, we would just be changed by your word. Um, so God, fill us and come in power today. In Jesus' name, amen. So 2020 is right around the corner, right? It's pretty crazy, I know. So with that being said, I want to take our last Sunday of the year together, okay, and I want to refocus ourselves um, on one of the most important practices in the Christian faith, which is uh, just reading our Bibles, right? Uh, Believe it or not, there's so many things fighting for our attention, our affections right now in this very moment. We're in a time in a culture where comfortability is this major killer, right? We're in a time, um, we're in a time where technology has never been better and yet as a result, never so distracting. Um, Never has travel been easier, and yet never never so distracting with so many places to go and and people to see and things to do. We have such easy access to food and to water, to our vehicles, to our bank accounts, um, to the internet. You know, we, we click a button and the things at our door the next day, right? So on and so forth. And now all those things can be good things and are good things when in their proper context. I'm not saying those things are bad. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we will fall into the trap of worldly contentment, right? And we'll lose our desire for God and for his word. Also, we live in such a time and in a culture where many are Christians but don't read their Bibles, don't know basic truths about the Bible. We're in a time when Christians attend church on Sunday and it's the only time that they're in the word of God and hearing the word of God, right? We're in a time where Christians are fully dependent on someone else, whether it be a pastor or a mentor or a family member or a friend, to tell them what God's word says instead of knowing it for themselves, right? And so again, my hope today is that we as individuals and as a faith family heading into a new year would make it our priority to grow in our love of God's word. Okay, so with that being said, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles or in your, in your Bible app on your phone to the book of Matthew, we'll be in chapter 4, starting in verse 1 today. So we'll, we'll go ahead and, and read our text. So starting in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 4, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, 
If you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, you will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the word of the Lord. Again, guys, today my message, I hope it's, it's plain and it's simple. I want it to be as plain and as simple as it can be. Um, and my main point in this, whole, in this whole message today is that we must put God's word above all else. That's, that's, the, main, that's the main message of, of, of today. Okay, That's what I want to get across to all of us, including myself. I need this message just as much or probably more than any one of you. So here in our text, right, we see that Satan tried to tempt Jesus three different times in three different ways. The first temptation, Satan focused on attacking Jesus' physical needs and desires. In the second temptation, Satan tried to attack Jesus' pride. And in the third temptation, Satan tried luring Jesus away by enticing him with possessions and power. So in this first temptation, right, he's attacking Jesus' physical needs. So the first thing we must notice is that the devil is attacking Jesus in his most vulnerable state. We had just read in Scripture that he had been fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights. So can you imagine? He's probably pretty hungry, right? Over a month of fasting. He's probably tired, weak. He's alone. And it's after 40 days and 40 nights that the tempter then decides to come because Satan knows If Jesus is going to fall, it's going to be in this moment right here when he's most weak and he's most vulnerable. How does Jesus respond? It's amazing to me. What does he do? He hits the devil with what? The word of God. The word of God. Uh, Satan says, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into loaves of bread, to which Jesus responds with saying, it is written. It is written, right? He's referring to God's word. And then he proceeds to quote Deuteronomy. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, of course, some of you might be thinking, well, Nico, come on, it's Jesus. Of course he didn't. Of course he didn't give in. Well, you're right. He was God. He was, but he was also fully a man. And so we cannot downplay the fact that Jesus is showing us how he fought against Satan as a man, right? So we see that Jesus didn't rely on anything or anyone else but God's word in this moment, right? He knew the word through and through and so cherished it in his heart that he would not allow Satan to trick him into thinking that meeting his physical needs, even in his most vulnerable state, was more important than following God and his word. So what does this say for us, right? Again, if Satan is going to attack Jesus in his most vulnerable state, you can guarantee he's going to do it to us. And if we're not nourishing ourselves in God's word, not feasting on it, We won't be able to lean on it like we should when we face times of temptation, when we face times of trouble, right? We won't be able to trust it and recall his promises like we should in times of difficulty and in times of sorrow. I also think it's important for for us to, to point out what Paul says in Ephesians 6, right? 
If you guys recall, he talks about putting on the full armor of God in the last chapter of that book. And he talks about putting on the full armor of God so that we can stand and we can fight against the enemy, against the schemes of the devil, okay? And I think it's amazing, right? So he mentions the helmet of salvation. He says to put, put on the helmet of salvation, right? Put on the, the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and put on as shoes the readiness which comes from the gospel of peace. And then he mentions the sword of the spirit. Does anybody know what the sword of the spirit is? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. I mean, think about it. The sword of the spirit, the Bible, the word of God, it's our weapon that we use to cut and to kill evil, to kill sin in our lives. Simply put, guys, we need the scriptures, right? We desperately need the scriptures to be able to fight the good fight of faith. We need the scriptures just like we need food for our bodies, right? We, we, we need the scriptures the way we need food to survive and to thrive and to be healthy. And in the same way in our Christian faith, the Bible is our food. So let's look at the next temptation, right? The next temptation, Satan tries to attack Jesus' pride. This time he does so with scripture in an attempt to lure him from actually obeying God's word, right? This is pretty scary in my opinion, okay? I mean, Satan knows the word of God too, he does. But what's the difference between Satan and Jesus in this moment? Is that Jesus knows it and obeys it. Satan knows it and he tries to twist it and turn it to make Jesus believe a lie about it rather than the truth about it, right? This time again, Satan even uses the phrase, for it is written. Meaning that he noticed Jesus was so saturated in God's word in the first temptation that he's now attempting to try to to twist the scripture to trick him, okay? He says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. But Jesus knew, again, the words in Deuteronomy, you should never put the Lord your God to the test. And that's exactly how he responds. See, Jesus knew that he wasn't to treat God the Father like some magician in the sky that's ready to perform on every little request, right? Jesus knew he didn't need to prove his sonship to the devil. Jesus was focused on doing God's will and obeying his word above all else, and that's why he wasn't lured away by Satan's lies, even when he used scripture. See, Jesus never let pride get in the way. I mean, can you imagine at this point, like, if this was me, I would be like, all right, bro, I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm by myself, I'm lonely. I'm about to just turn you into some dust because I'm tired of listening to you. I'll show you that I'm the son of God, (laughs) right? I mean, literally, like, I fight with my, like, if someone's like, Nico, you can't do this, and I know it's wrong, I'm like, I'll I'll show you, you know? But no, is that what Jesus does here? No, no, it's not what he does at all, right? He stays humble, and he stays committed to God's truth and to God's will regardless of what he faced in the time of his most vulnerable state. Now I want to share a quote with you guys from my life application study Bible. As I was studying, I just, I couldn't help but think just how good it was for us in, 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 this, specific, um, in this specific text right here. So it says that the devil used scripture to try and convince Jesus to sin. Sometimes friends or associates will present attractive and convincing reasons why you should try something you know is wrong. They may even find Bible verses that seem to support their viewpoints. Only if you understand what the whole Bible is about will you be able to recognize errors of misinterpretation when people take verses out of context to twist them to say what they want them to say. 
So with that being said, I want to talk about um, I want to talk about a passage in the Old Testament in First Kings chapter thirteen. Okay, it's it's a um, it's a long chapter, so I'm going to try to um, condense it down as much as I can. Um, so, in the book of First Kings, in chapter 13, there's this man, there's this, there's this prophet of God from Judah, and he's a nameless man. We don't know his name. But the word of the Lord comes to him and sends him to Bethel, where King Jeroboam was, was then raiding, right? This king was a wicked king. He was an evil king, okay? And so, this prophet of Judah goes to Bethel, and he tells them, look, this, this, this altar that you're sacrificing on is actually going to be um, sacrificed with the bones of these high priests that you've been appointing. And he's basically giving him a prophet. He's given the king a prophecy of, of his doom and, and, of, and of what he's done, right? And so the king doesn't like, doesn't like what he hears. So he reaches out his hand and he says, arrest this man, seize this man. And as he does, his hand, the Bible says, shrivels up and he can't even draw his hand back. And so what we see right there is that the king and everyone else that's witnessing this knew that, that, that God was with this prophet, right? God was with this man. And so <clears throat> after that, he gives the prophecy, and then the king says, okay, you restored, uh, he asks him to restore his hand, restores his hand, and he says, please come and eat with me, right? I'm sorry for the way that I've treated you. Come and eat with me and, and be my friend and, 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 and come to my house. And the prophet of God says, no, I can't. The word of the Lord told me, that I can't eat bread or drink water in this city. And the way that I came here, I got to go a different way. So I can't. I can't do that. So the prophet of the Lord saddles up his donkey, and he leaves Bethel. And as the people of the, of, of the city are hearing about this and seeing what happened and transpired, it says a group of men go to their father who lives in Bethel, right? And this was an, they go to their father who was an old prophet at the time, and they tell their father what had happened, what, what this prophet of Judah did, uh, has done. And so their dad says, tell me which way that this prophet has gone. I want to go and find him. So they, he says, saddle up my donkey. So he saddle up, saddles up his donkey, and he tries to follow after this man of God, right, that had just given this prophecy to the king. So he sets out on the way, and he finds him sitting under an oak, sitting down. And as I read this, I couldn't help but see the connection here, right, into, from Jesus' temptation um, in, to now when this man's sitting under an oak, an oak tree, right? He's probably very hungry, he's tired, he's weak, he's thirsty. I'm sure he, he just longs to take a piece of bread and put it in his mouth, right? And so this old prophet walks up to him, he's like, hey, I heard what you've done today. I want to bless you. Come back to my house. I want to give you bread and I want to give you water. Come and eat with me. And the guy's like, prophet of the Lord's like, look, I can't. The word of the Lord told me that I can't eat bread or drink water while I'm in the city of Bethel and that I have to return a different way from the way that I came. And this old prophet, sly as he is, says, oh, well, the, the word of the Lord came to me too. And, and he told me that you should come back with me and you should eat and you should drink with me. And so the prophet of God stands up and says, okay. And he gets up and he believes this man. He goes back into Bethel, eats and drinks. And right as he's doing that, the old prophet who had just lied to him to get him to come back then truly received a real prophecy from the Lord of God, from, from, from God, towards the, towards the prophet who had just disobeyed. And he said, because you've disobeyed, you won't be buried like your fathers will be buried. You've done what is wicked and evil in the sight of God. So he eats and he drinks, he disobeys and he leaves. And as he sets off to leave, a lion meets him on the road and kills him. 
Now, I know that, that, that that's, pretty, that's pretty serious stuff, right? It's pretty scary. But what but my hope is, is in sharing that story, is that we wouldn't be a people that rely on what somebody else tells us that God's word says, that we would know it for ourselves, that we would cherish it for ourselves, and that we would trust what God's word says for ourselves. See, that's what this man did, right? He trusted God. He trusted God. He withstood temptation. He withstood sin. But then when he was in his most vulnerable state, after he had done it time and time again, he finally said, okay, I'll listen to you. I'll I'll believe you over what God has already told me. And it ended up being a big mistake. So lastly, in the third temptation, right, we see Satan tries to lure Jesus into sin by offering him all the kingdoms of the world and of their splendor. But Jesus knew that the real kingdom was of the kingdom of God, and he would not allow the shiny and glittery things of life to fog his vision and faith in what mattered most. He had the eternal insight and not the temporary, right? And we, we must do the same. And now I think... If we're honest, this is probably one of the most difficult temptations that Jesus can entice us with today, right? We're constantly being bombarded with movies and TV shows and music and commercial and advertising on how to be cool and how to fit into the world, right? People are are constantly assessing us daily, right? How we dress, what car we drive, how big our house is, how many kids we have, how much money we make, right? It's a norm in our country to compare what we have with everyone else and to try to play keeping up with the Joneses. So today, one of Satan's biggest tricks and temptations is offering us the world by trying to entice us with materialism and with power. We see it all throughout our culture today, right? People, anxiety has never been higher than it is right now because everyone is worried about their image and how they look and how they fit in. But we can resist temptation the same way Jesus did. We, we, we really can. So when we find ourselves craving something that the world offers that we know is against God, we should always remember that Jesus, what Jesus said to the devil. He hit him with the word of God in, in this last temptation, and he says, away from me, Satan. Again, he says, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, we have to see that if we want to be fit for battle and we, and, we, and we want to be eager to follow Jesus the way he desires us to, the word must be near and dear to every part of who we are. We must also remember that none of us are going to be exempt from temptation. If Jesus wasn't, we definitely aren't. We're not going to be exempt from the storms in life and the chaoses of life. And when those moments come, when the temptations come, when the storms of life come, Jesus tells us that our foundation will then be revealed. So today I want to ask us, what is our foundation? Is it the word of God or is it the ways of the world? So as I, as I start to kind of bring this into a close, I want to share a video that I found with you guys. I think it's going to be really encouraging. I know it was for me to you all. and um, I, think it's, I think it's just really powerful. Um, and it shows us what, what, what simple Bible reading really does to us. So Nick, if you want to go ahead and roll that. There was a recent study by the Center for Bible Engagement where they pulled 40,000 general population in the U.S. from 8 to 80, and they just wanted to see how we are engaging with Scripture. Right. And they discovered something that actually became kind of the profound discovery of the entire study. They weren't even looking for this, and this is kind of became the highlight of the study. Right. Um, when we're in the scripture one time a week, and that could be church on Sunday, that's 
pastor saying you're open your Bible, we hear the message, one time a week had negligible effect on some key areas of your life. So I'm going to spell that out more here in a moment. Two times a week, negligible effect. Now at three times a week, there was a blip on the map, like there was a heartbeat. Something happened, again, a heartbeat. But here was the profound discovery. When we're in the scripture four times a week, it literally spikes off the chart. You would expect that it'd be one, two, I mean, there'd be a gradual incline on the effect and impact that would have in your life, but it was literally one, two, three, four, something radically happens. Okay, you got my curiosity. To this extent. What kind of behavior is being affected? Feeling lonely drops 30%. Wow. Ang- like four times a week in the four Bible. Four times a week in the Bible. Okay. Anger issues drop 32%. Uh, bitterness in relationships, marriage, a relationship with your kids, and so on, drops 40%. Alcoholism drops Crazy. 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant. You know, if there was one area when I'm talking with people that, that they'll be honest about is they just feel spiritually stagnant. Ask them the question, how much time are you spending in the scripture? If they're in the scripture four times a week or more, it drops 60%. Wow. Viewing pornography drops 61%. That's very important. Now, on a flip positive side, sharing your faith jumps 200%. (laughs) Wow. Because you have a confidence in God's word. And then discipling others jumps 230%. That's, That's amazing right there. Just what he said at the end. I mean, that's amazing. Like, that is truly amazing to me. Is it not to you guys? I mean, we cannot deny that something radical happens to us when we're living in God's word. Not when we're nibbling at it, not when we're snacking on it, right? It's simply not enough to read it here or there, right? But reading the Bible should be a way of life for us as people that follow Jesus. And when we make the Bible our priority, when we make it a way of life, we will see that the best news in it is that this Jesus who who we're talking about now, who withstood these temptations, was and is the sinless Savior of the world. We will see that God's word tells us that Christ lived a perfect life that we could never live, that he died the death that we deserve to die, that he rose from the grave on the third day for our justification, that he now sits at the right hand of God, interceding for us at this moment and now and for, forever, right? We will see that God's word tells us that we're saved by grace through faith in Christ and in what he's done. We will see that God's word tells us that we can fight against the flesh, that we can fight against sin, that we can fight against Satan by the armor of God. And even though we will fall on the journey, We have been granted the gift of repentance, which the word of God tells us is a direct result of God's kindness towards us in Christ. We will see that God's word tells us that we can run to him when we've screwed up and not hide and cowered away, but knowing that if we confess our sins to him, that he will be faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So guys, before I close and and bring this... um, to a close and, and pray for us. I want to read some verses um, from Psalm 119. And as I do, I want us all to just close our eyes. I want us all to close our eyes and I want us to really listen to these verses and try to let them sink deep into our hearts today. All right? And see, just to see how much we need the word of God. Okay? I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. 
My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Let us pray. Dear God, I just, again, just thank you so much for everyone that's here. Lord, I pray that as we, as a faith family and as individual believers, as we step into a new year, God, that we would make it our priority to seek you and to know you in your word and to follow you according to your word, God. I pray that we would be a people that just bleed Bible, Lord, and we are cut when we're hurt, that, that your, your word just springs forth from us, God. Lord, I just thank you so much for your son. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much for sending him to stand in our place, Lord, so that we could stand with you for eternity. God, I pray, I pray that we would be a people that put on the full armor of God, knowing that the sword of the Spirit is, the, is your word, and it's what we use to, to just give blows to sin. It's what we use to, to fight this good fight of faith, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your kindness towards us and your son. We lift him up and we say, nothing in our hands we bring, but simply to the cross we cling, Lord. In your name, amen. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.